0: Well, it's a beautiful image in the Psalms that God is our rock. He's our fortress. And He is our refuge. And this morning, if you come to this assembly seeking refuge in the storms of life, you have come to the right place. Or better stated, you have come to the right people. Not because we are so special, not because we have everything figured out. In fact, it's quite the oppo- opposite. We are. Strugglers in life, fellow strugglers in life. But the reason why the church here is a refuge is because God is here. God dwells among His people. God has made a way. He has drawn us close to Him through Jesus Christ our Lord. Miraculously, God has woven together a group of broken people into this refuge, into this lighthouse... For people who are struggling in the sea. And we pray that each one of us this morning finds refuge here in the body of Christ. But more than that, we pray also that each one of us would find mission and purpose here in the kingdom of God. As the church, we live in a tension between two different images of the church. On the one hand, the church is a hospital for sinners. And so we come to this assembly with scars and wounds from our own sin, and also from those who sin against us. We come here this morning seeking restoration and strength and forgiveness, but also the strength to forgive others. And so we come to the hospital room, in a sense, a hospital for sinners. But on the other hand, the church is a military outpost, it is where we rise up and walk, and we join in with God's mission to rescue the world. And both those images are very important for who we are as the people of God. And both of those images are important to Paul, especially in what we call the pastoral letters, these personal letters written to Timothy and Titus and Philemon. This summer, we're working through Second Timothy, and we're actually going to do a combination So, we're going to book in 2 Timothy in June and August. We're going to take a break in July and we're going to look at the Camp Agape theme, the theme of road trip, the theme of taking a journey. And we'll be in Exodus and Deuteronomy talking about the journey of the people of God. But this morning, we're going to be in 2 Timothy. If you want to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, we'll be there here in a moment. This is a series called Fight the Good Fight. And these are the words of Paul himself. Paul is at the end of his race. He has fought the good fight. He's in a Roman prison, and he's awaiting execution. But always on his mind, even here at the end, is the church and her future, and his young apprentice, Timothy, and his future. And 2 Timothy is a rally cry. He's trying to move Timothy to courage because Timothy is facing a crisis of fortitude. And just following the flow of the letter, Paul emboldens Timothy with different words, different themes. He first talks about the faith that Timothy possesses, that was first in his mother Eunice, and then it existed in his grandmother Lois, and it was passed down to Timothy. But then as we saw last week, the Holy Spirit is with Timothy. And Paul reminds Timothy of his ordination when Paul laid his hands on Timothy. And Timothy received a spirit of power and love and self-control. And then at the end of chapter 1, we didn't get to it last week, but Paul gives some examples of faithfulness and faithlessness. He talks about two men there in chapter 1, verse 15, Phygellus and Hermogenes. These men abandoned Paul whenever Paul needed them. But then Paul gives Timothy a good example of faithfulness with Onesiphorus who stood by Paul and refreshed him. And after naming these examples and counterexamples, Paul says this in our sermon passage this morning, 2 Timothy chapter 2 verses 1 through 7. Hear the word of God. You then, my child, Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. May God bless the reading of His Word. A few years ago, I read a book ...that I know some of us have read. It was act- actually recommended to me from someone in this room. It's a book called Into Thin Air by John Krakauer. And it's one of those books that you pick it up, you start reading it, you can't put it down. It's the story of the 1997 tragedy up on top of Mount Everest... ...where a significant number of people in this climbing party died. And the reason why they died, was a number of reasons... Some of it was human error, but most of it was the mountain itself, a very deadly place. And ever since I read that book, I've been quite fascinated with Mount Everest. I've watched several documentaries on it and these people who make it their mission in life to reach the summit. But what's really fascinating is the area of the mountain that's above 26,000 feet. It's the area of the mountain called the Death Zone. And it's called this because human life was not designed to exist above 26,000 feet. So the air is very thin up there. Into Thin Air is the name of the title of that book. One receives about 30% of the oxygen that one receives normally at sea level. And it takes weeks of acclimation even to be able to withstand a few hours in the death zone. Without oxygen, a normal person would only last a couple of minutes before losing consciousness. And there are several effects on the brain there in the death zone. Nausea, dehydration, major headaches. Every breath is labored. Every movement takes great effort. I watched a documentary earlier this week and they were interviewing a man who who had gone up to Mount Everest. He said just putting on his shoes in the death zone took about half an hour and it took everything that he had. It's a difficult and treacherous place to be. No one can survive in the death zone for too long. But in order to summit, one has to spend time there above 26,000 feet. When I read the pastorals, when I read 2 Timothy, I think of the death zone. Especially in our sermon passage today, it's as if Paul is telling Timothy, I need you to join me up at the summit, but before you get to the summit, you're going to have to spend some time there in the death zone. You're going to have to spend time above 26,000 feet, that place that is dangerous and deadly it's no wonder that Timothy is facing a crisis of fortitude. This doesn't seem to phase Paul at all. Paul has lived in the death zone for some time. To proclaim the gospel in the face of opposition and in the face of hostility is to live in the death zone, and it has cost Paul everything. Hear these words again from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 using paul's language he says for i am already being poured out as a drink offering poured out as a drink offering that's the language of suffering that's the language of sacrifice now there are other places in paul's letters where he actually talks about what he had to endure most notable 2 Corinthians chapter 11 where he catalogs his suffering. I'm not going to read it, but he talks about all the different things, the unpleasant and horrible things that he had to endure for the sake of Christ. But even in 2 Timothy, he talks about suffering. He calls on Timothy to visit him in prison. And he says, make sure you bring my coat and come before winter. Paul's not comfortable here at the end. And it's only going to get worse. And then in verse 3, Paul tells Timothy he's going to need to join him there. Verse 3 Share in suffering. Some translations say endure hardship. I prefer the translation share in suffering. Timothy, it's going to be tough going up to the summit. Hard times await you, and you're going to have to push through. That's why Paul gives them those three metaphors, the soldier, the athlete, and the farmer. Those are all examples of suffering. The soldier suffers, but he follows orders to the end of his enlisting officer. The athlete suffers in the training and the discipline of his body, but he competes according to the rules. The farmer suffers in the sweat of his brow, the heat of the day, the hard work of raising crops. And these metaphors serve as an example of what it takes to survive in the death zone. It takes focus, it takes discipline, it takes hard work. There are no shortcuts. In order to summit, one has to go above 26,000 feet. In thinking about our own situation today at Brentwood Oaks, I want to reiterate a thought that I opened up with about refuge. But in light of this passage, I would phrase the question this way. Do you find yourself in the death zone this morning? Do you find yourself above 26,000 feet, where the air is thin, where every breath is labored, Where it's hard to put one foot in front of the other? Where everything seems hard and difficult? Do you find yourself right now in a season of life that is beyond you? I think there are acute situations, there are crises that send us straight to the death zone But there are also stages of life. Maybe they're a little less intense, but we find ourselves struggling through life in these situations. I think of the elderly among us, and I've heard it from more than one person, and I quote, "'Getting old is not for sissies.'" What about those who are caring for their aging parents? Today is a big day for a lot of people, Father's Day, and I enjoy it. I enjoy the festivity. But in thinking about being a father, I'm in a stage of life where really this is the most humbling experience I've ever had. And it is full of joy. But just when I think I have things figured out, a new stage comes. A wall comes. The air gets a little thin. I make mistakes. I instantly have regrets. But I recognize that this fatherhood business is really beyond me. What about you? When I use the phrase life in the death zone, what comes to your mind? Is it a spiritual battle? A temptation? A specific circumstance? A relationship? What is like life like in the death zone? Well, I think this is where Paul's words to Timothy are especially meaningful for the church because Timothy is facing a crisis. He's facing a situation that is truly beyond him. To take a stand for the gospel is to invite persecution and Timothy is struggling with his courage. And Paul knows this. Paul knows this because Timothy is like a son to him. What an appropriate metaphor on Father's Day because so often in this letter... Paul calls Timothy his son. But Paul also knows something beyond that. Paul knows what it's like to live above 26,000 feet. He knows. He knows how hard it is. He knows how difficult that season is going to be. And And yet, Paul also knows that which sustains him in the death zone. So on Mount Everest, when someone goes above 26,000 feet, almost all the climbers need some help. Even the best climber needs some help. And that help comes in the form of oxygen tanks, these oxygen bottles. These climbers are given just enough oxygen bottles not to weigh them down, but just enough to get them to the summit and back down below 26,000 feet. Without these oxygen bottles, these climbers wouldn't last very long up on the mountain, up in the death zone. But now, with the life-giving oxygen, they're able to stay for a good short while. there above 26,000 feet, and that oxygen that is coming into their mask, that's coming into their mouths, gives their muscles just what they need to take that next step. So in mountain climbing, we would call these oxygen bottles necessary aids for survival. But in the journey of faith, we have a word for those oxygen bottles. We call it grace. Grace. There's something so powerful about that word, even as it rolls off the tongue, there's a certain level of peace that washes over us. That's why we open up our assemblies with the words grace and peace. And it's easy to gloss over it, but Paul opens up this passage with a focus on God's grace. Notice, before he calls on Timothy to train these teachers, before he calls on Timothy to share in suffering, Before he gives Timothy those suffering metaphors of the soldier and the athlete and the farmer, before Paul calls on Timothy to join him above 26,000 feet, Paul first lays the foundation in chapter 2, verse 1 of that which will sustain Timothy in his journey to the summit. Hear these words again from 2 Timothy 2, verse 1. You then, my child, be strengthened by... That's the passive voice, meaning that the strength that Timothy is going to need does not come from within him. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Grace is the heartbeat of our story. It is the heartbeat of God's story. Now typically when we think of grace, we connect it immediately to our salvation. Paul says elsewhere that we are saved by grace through faith. God's grace, this unmerited favor toward us, this grace which we cannot earn, And yet in the New Testament, grace has a much wider scope, a much wider definition. It is God's favor, it is God's blessing, praise, God's gift. It's also a realm. It's a sphere. The grace that is in Christ Jesus is the place where we draw strength and breath and life. I love this quote by C.S. Lewis in talking about the relationship that we have with God. He says, Relying on God is like relying on air. It's breath by breath, moment by moment. And really, when we think about spiritual maturity, when we mature in Christ, we actually grow in our dependence upon Christ. When our children grow up, we think, well, we want them to be independent from us. But when we grow up in the Lord, we actually recognize our need for Him. I need Thee every hour. That's really the mark of spiritual maturity. Taking in God as we take in breath. That is grace worked out. That's what Paul has discovered there in the death zone. That's what Timothy will discover. That's what we, the church, discover each and every day. That those in seasons of suffering, in those seasons where all we can do is barely put one foot in front of the other, those are the seasons where we we experience God's grace in the fullest sense. It's in the death zone where we see God supplying us with a life-giving grace to take the next step toward the summit, sustaining us, empowering us. The journey of faith is hard, and it does take focus and discipline and hard work, but only if these qualities are grounded in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who empowers us to make the summit. It all goes back to God and His mercy and His love for His people. And so this morning, the word of grace is this word, to breathe. Are you having a hard time taking that next step? Breathe in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and He will sustain you. Tomorrow, we go back into battle. And actually, after we leave this place, we go back out into battle in whatever situations we encounter on a daily basis. But we don't do so without God's help. We put on the full armor of God, knowing that God is our protector and provider, that God has not left us to our own devices. God is actually helping us and equipping us to walk the journey of faith. We're going to sing an invitation song that speaks to this. If you find yourself in a moment of weakness this morning and you seek the prayers of your brothers and sisters in Christ, if you would like to respond to the good news in any way, we invite you to come as we stand and as we sing.